Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buccaneer fans, welcome in to a really bad loss, losing edition of the No Quarter Given podcast, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. I'm your host, Jason, Peter Blake, along with us. Welcome in, Peter Blake. What's going on, buddy? Uh, Yeah, not the best game on a Sunday, that's for sure. Nobody uh, is looking back at that game. There's not many highlights and uh, not many. Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about, though. Yes. Well, the Buccaneers fall to six and seven, a a disastrous, quote unquote, ass kicking 35 to seven loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Again, the Bucs fall to six and seven, but still. Fortunately for the Buccaneers, still in first place in the NFC South. Now only one game in front of the Carolina Panthers, who who went out to Seattle and won to go to five and eight. And then the Falcons are at five and I believe five and eight as well, coming off a of bye week. They now have a new quarterback in the fold, Desmond Ritters, taking over for Marcus Mariota. Before we get to the Buccaneers, just your thoughts of kind of the unfoldings of, of Carolina playing much better under Steve Wilkes, the interim coach, and the Atlanta Falcons now going to Desmond Ritter at quarterback. I mean, it just shows that it can be done, right? I mean, an interim coach can come in if the team is willing to buy in, which they have. Uh, you can make a little run here, and it just makes the Bucs situation make uh, look that much worse because you have a professional coach. You have professional coaches here. You really don't have a lot of drama, if you will, not a lot of roster turnover, and they're still not able to put it together and not able to put together consistently uh, consistent wins. They're not able to put together consistent offensive drives. And when you're not able to do that, your defense is basically left out there uh, to uh, fend off an offense that had a third string quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant, right. Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Well, he was definitely irrelevant. On uh, Sunday, and the Bucks <laughs> once again struggle versus backup and rookie quarterbacks for some reason. And of course, Arizona being on the schedule on Christmas night, Kyler Murray just went out for the year. Yep. Guess what? Colt McCoy is the uh, backup. Still not saying that's going to be a win because of the Bucks' inability uh, to do well versus a backup quarterback and, of course, a rookie quarterback. So I don't know what to think. I thought it would be more competitive. Uh, I thought the Bucks could win this game, and of course, uh, I was completely and totally wrong. Let's before we get into the game, just quick, quick note: we will have Paul Stewart. We'll have a montage here of the Cincinnati Bengals after we get done reviewing the 49er game, and obviously, we'll do a preview of the Cincinnati Bengals game. Remember, BuckPower.com is your place to go for all things Buccaneers, video, audio, stats. You know, anything you need Buccaneer history related is on BuckPower.com. Shout out to our guy, Paul Stewart, over in England for daily updates on that. Every day of the year, he updates stuff with birthdays and big moments and video clips and everything. So go to Buck Power. I'm wearing my BuckPower.com t-shirt from 
from Paul's visit. If you're watching on the, the memo, see, I, I didn't get the memo to wear our Buck Power shirts together here. I just wore the sports web shirt. Well, I figured I have to change the mojo as bad as they played Sunday. The Buck Power shirt, I'm gonna, it's gonna, gonna lead to some success. This and all right, let's get to let's get to the 49er game. A review again, we won't spend a lot of time, but we will, we'll talk about some key narratives I think that are important relative to the game. Couple things early. Vita Vea leaves with an injury, calf injury. Doesn't look like he's going to play this week. That that hurt. First play of the game, Peter Blake, mm-hmm. safety blitz. Keanu Neal with a sack gets called for roughing the passer. Hits him a little high. I mean, it, it was a it, it's a call you have. I mean, in this day and age of football, it's technically a penalty. But if you're Keanu Neal, you have a free shot at Brock Purdy. You can't hit him that high. You have to know better, and you have to know to hit him low. And as Todd Bowles says. That's a perfect opportunity to strip the ball. First play of the game could have been a huge play. Went from a 10-yard loss to a net 15-yard gain because of the penalty. The Niners go down the field quickly, score, make 7 nothing. Give the Bucks credit. They come back. They draw up a great play to Mike Evans on a little slip screen. That, that's a fake slip screen. Evans is, un, is gone for a touchdown, but here comes the hanky holding Donovan Smith. Just kills the momentum of that drive. No touchdown. And, the, and, and that was the start, beginning of the end there for the Buccaneers. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, 66 yards uh, down the sideline by yourself. And, of course, uh, what comes out? The flag. And, of course, the most penalized player in the league uh, for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It reminds me of the days of Kenyatta Walker holding on number 67, holding on 76. It just continues to get worse and worse for Mr. Smith at the end of the day. And at critical times, you pick up that penalty, especially with this team needing to get uh, a big play to get back in the game. They get it, and of course, it's called back. So it just describes the season as a whole. It's disappointing. Uh, They were fortunate to get away with it against the Saints when uh, Chris Godwin caught the winning touchdown and it got called back. This time, not so much. Yeah, just the inability of the Bucs' defense to get off the field. You know, the, the Bucks go down 14, then it's 20. Again, another assignment error. Christian McCaffrey goes down the sidelines, you know, on a on a, on a kind of a just a wheel route as a running back. Logan Ryan's, lost, I don't say lost, but misses his assignments a step late. They score there. Jamel Dean kind of bites on a double move to Iuke there at the end of the half, and pretty much the game's over at that point. You know, uh, you know. Did was he hurt t- his toe at that point? Because I know he went out with a toe injury. Did he stub his toe? Because this was probably one of his worst games that he's had all and year. Just, and just and just again, double moves have been a bugaboo for the uh, a, a, an issue for the Buccaneer defensive backs here in the uh, in the last couple of years. Whether it's Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, um, you know, just something that's been that that obviously other opponents have studied and they know to run double moves on the Buccaneers. You know, obviously a lot of DBs get beat by double moves. We get it. But this has been an ongoing issue for the Buccaneer DBs the last couple of years. You know, the Bucs, uh, you know, um, you know, offensively, you know, obviously had the penalty issues. I can't kill Byron Leftwich as much as we maybe we want to kill him this week because there were throws to be made. There were guys open. Tom, you know, we hit the Evans play for the touchdown. Tom misses Scotty Miller on a long one. Would have been there. Missed Mike Evans on a corner route. He underthrows him. So I can't kill Byron Leftwich. Guys were open. The execution just was not there this week with Tom Brady and the offense. It's typical with Tom Brady and the report before the game. He's considering coming back. 
Who knows if it's going to be the Bucks? Who knows? It could be the 49ers, possibly the Saints being thrown out there. Uh, but you got Scotty Miller open two years ago. You hit that for a touchdown versus the Raiders. You hit that for a touchdown versus the Packers in the NFC Championship game. For yep. some reason, you can't hit it this year. In fact, you decide to hit the 49er defender right on his shoulder pad. That is not going to get it done. I love Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. But clearly, he is missing throws, whether it's pressure, whether it's bad mechanics, whether it's mentally. It needs to get cleaned up quick because they're going to need him to play a lot better, and he didn't on Sunday. Through two interceptions, obviously the first early early in the third quarter, he threw the, the one over the middle. Um, you know, he and Evans still, you know, have struggled to get on the same page. You know, the, the corner route right in the end zone, I think Evans was clearly going to be wide open if he just throws it, uh, he puts a little air under Put it. Up. He's he six, must... five, six, six. You throw it low instead. Throw it up. What's the problem with Evans and Brady with the chemistry this year? It's, it's, you know, it's, we, it's, we it really is amazing it. because the last two yeah. years they've been on the same page. <laughs> there have been a lot of, you know, reading of the defense is the same. I think Tom thought, I, he must have thought. Evans was going to was going to turn around and hook up and not run the corner. But again, we don't know all the details of, of that. You know, I mean, we, do they need to go out to Eddie V's for a steak <laughs> dinner on Monday night? Do they need to hang out uh, in Tampa? You know, where we hang out usually on our off days. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Having a couple of adult beverages or something. I don't know. Yeah. Kumbaya. Go out and camp. Do something. They need these two players. To put it together they do and they're not doing it right now and it's hurting this offense and I can't even believe you're saying this but this offense has barely scored 20 points a game I mean they're, they're averaging 18 18 points with all those weapons yep. inexcusable inexcusable and, and granted the 49ers defense is a top five defense were, but there were plays to be made there Sunday even with the score what it was there were guys open so again, I can't kill Byron Leftwich for the play calling because there were guys clearly open and and as Tom says and he said for 20 years, it's about execution and what Bill Belichick used to say, do your job and Tom for whatever reasons been been short on longer throws, just hasn't been able to hook up on these guys when they have been open. Yeah, and then uh what's the over under? What's the prop bet for running on first down because I'm taking that bet. What is it? Uh, 200 <laughs> You take that because they're going to run on first down. The first play of the game, if it's first down, they're going to run. I would be surprised. I'd be shocked. I would have a heart attack on the floor. I would have to call Paul Stewart and say I'm having cardiac arrest because they're actually going pass play action or they're throwing on first down because every single first down, it certainly seems to me, and maybe we could chart this together. You know, we'll just go have an adult beverage, chart it together of how many times Byron Leftwich runs on first down and, by the way, is not successful. Again, if you look at the numbers last week, the, the, the per carry average wasn't bad. Rashad, I think, had 13 carries for like 55 yards, which is, you know, four-plus yards a carry. Sure. But, again, you're not getting any explosive runs. You're not getting the 15, 20-yard runs. And you're just not getting the creativity in the running game. Again, I don't know if that's just a – There's a, no rhythm to it. I mean, you're either running here, you're passing here, and then eventually you get down 21 to nothing, and then basically you're one-dimensional, and that's right. exactly what the 49ers want to do. But there's just no rhythm to this offense. There's no rhythm. There's no rhyme. There's no nothing. It's like, you know, watching a, a guy go out there on the dance floor thinking he could dance and he has two left feet. That's what it is to watch this Buccaneer offense this year. It's just awful. 
And defensively, the pass rush is still continuing to be an issue. You know, JTS leaves with a hip injury. He's not been playing really well anyway. You know, Bowles mentioned kind of mentally he's not where he probably needs to be mentally in the defense. You know, he's close, but he doesn't ever tend to get there. He's always a step or two away. Losing Vita Vey is going to be a problem in the middle. If he, you know, with the run game, obviously the, the 49ers had a lot of success running the ball with McCaffrey up the middle. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks, Noches is not the, you know, without Vita Vey in there, that really hampers the interior run defense. Yeah, and speaking of dancing or skating, if you will, I mean, Devin White, uh, nowhere to be seen. He, he's you know skating all around the place, not able to shed blocks. Levante David. And by the way, somebody has to tell Joe Tryon Shyanka, don't get hemmed up when you go with the reverse. Every team is starting to pick up on it. They're using it against you. By the way, your job is not to run around the whole field. It's to actually finish the quarterback off with a sack. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the one area where I think there was a little progress in the area you love to, to talk about the most. <laughs> Devin Tompkins did a pretty good job returning kicks and punts. Amazing. He replaced, replaced Jalen Darden. You know, Devin Tompkins is a little guy just like Darden was, but you saw some spunk there. You saw a little energy. They popped a nice long return. He showed a little life in the punt return game. Your thoughts on Devin Tompkins? Jason, isn't it amazing when you want to run, when you want to stay on the field, when you want to have the effort, when you're not afraid to get tackled, when you don't run out of bounds, that you can make some things happen. You go 53 yards on a kick return. Just a lot more of of that. That's what you need during this year for field position because it's such a key stat, especially with this offense right now and their struggles. You have to have great field position. And that definitely helps Sunday. You like to see more of that. And I'm hoping you see more of that because that's what you expected out of Jalen Darden, who's no longer with the team. Why? Because he wanted to fall down and run out of bounds. And that hurts the offense because you start out with bad field position. So Devin Tompkins, the lone bright spot, in my opinion, on Sunday versus the 49ers. What'd you think of Brady and Bowles' comments post game about just we, we got our asses kicked? I mean, plain and simple. I mean, I think that's. I'm glad. I'm at least glad they didn't try to sugarcoat things and you know come up with excuses. It's just one of those games. You know, maybe this is the kind of game that they needed. Maybe they needed to, to really get pummeled one time to show we are really not playing well. I mean, I think they all know they're not playing well, but really, when you get smoked, I mean, the Pittsburgh, you know, the Carolina game when they lost twenty-one to three, you know, that was a bad one. We get it, but re- getting smacked when it's thirty-five to nothing. There ain't no sugarcoating that one. No, and you got a hundred of your family members out there, that being yep. Tom Brady. And according to Michael Silver, he didn't even take a shower. He just got on the plane. I mean, first and foremost, why wouldn't you want to take a shower after getting your head beat in? You would have that stench on you. You would want to wash that off. And instead, you're just like, oh, F it. I'm not going to take a shower. Just going to get back on the plane. You know, stink it up. You sunk it up on the field. You sunk it up off the field. I mean, at least that's consistent, I guess. <laughs> All right, last last little bit about the, about this game. You know, obviously, you got you're now six and seven. They're fortunate; they're still in first place. So again, say what you want to say about the record. We know they're going to be the four seed. That's going to be where they're going to be. You're either playing Dallas or Philadelphia if you if you happen to get there, but you got to get there. So in, let's let's look at the schedule first before we get to Paul Stewart and get to Cincinnati. You got, four game, you got four games to go. You got Cincinnati in a primetime 425 game. You're going to have Romo and Nance in the booth again. Joe Burrow coming to town. You got at Arizona on Christmas night. 
You're home to Carolina and you're at Atlanta. Say what you want. You still have the two teams in your division in front of you. Got one more game against both teams. Just your thought about the schedule with four games to go. No idea what to think. Because every time I say this team is going to go on a run and I right. think they have the momentum, they just show me they're not. And it's just a roller coaster ride. It's up and down, and it's more down than up. I don't know. You know, again, you always go back to it. You can't rule this team out with Tom Brady, but I think you can because their offense hasn't been consistent. Their defense hasn't been able to get off the field. And furthermore, you have some key injuries to Winfield Jr., who's still hurt. Your back end is messed up there. You have uh, Mike Edwards possibly out. And the key one for me, Vita Vea. I mean, he basically controls everything on that defensive line. He opens everything up. So I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility to go 3-1 and one because I don't see them beating Cincinnati on Sunday. I'm just sorry. This team is playing well. You got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. You got an offensive uh, juggernaut, in my opinion, with Joe Mixon and, of course, Jamar Chase. But if you go 3-1, and one, which, once again, those are winnable games, but they have not been gimmies all year long, tag team partner of the world, Jason Bowers, then you have an opportunity to go into the playoffs at least looking somewhat credible. And we're going to get to Cincinnati here in just a minute. So before we get to Cincinnati, let's go to, we're going to go to Paul Stewart, who's going to give you the, the Bucks bengals montage history uh, lesson about the Bucks and the Bengals. Remember, you can go to Buck Power TV to see the video version of this. You can also, um, again, if you're if you're uh, part of this montage, again, buckpower.com as well for all of your uh, Cincinnati history if you want to get a history lesson statistically with the Bengals. But again, Paul Stewart's going to give you the Bucks and Bengals historical montage. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes with our preview of the Bengals and the Buccaneers Sunday 425 Raymond James Stadium. We'll be right back. Now, the series with the Bengals is currently led 7-5 by the Buccaneers, which means that Cincinnati is just one of four teams the Bucs have a current winning record against. Can you name the other three? We'll have the answer to that one later on. Now, the two teams first met in, in the expansion season of 1976, which, of course, meant a shutout loss for the Buccaneers. But it did feature something quite extraordinary happening. When John Roush, the offensive coordinator, came down from the press box in the second quarter, walked across to John McKay on the sideline and told him to shove his job right there and then and quit on the spot. Only the expansion bucks. The 1980 season opener was in Riverfront Stadium and rain fell for much of the game. There were puddles everywhere by the fourth quarter. Now, future Buck quarterback Jack Thompson started for the Bengals, but only threw for 47 yards, a net of just 16. The Buccaneer defence was in full effect that day. Now, Doug Williams twice hit Jimmy Giles for scoring passes, the last one being the game winner with under two minutes remaining, after an earlier field goal attempt to take the lead had been bobbled due to the wet conditions. Now, Jack Thompson, of course, went on to play for the Bucks and started against his old team in 1983, but threw three interceptions in a somewhat narrow loss for the 2-14 and 14 team coached by John McKay. The next time the two teams would meet would be in 1989 at Riverfront Stadium, when Ray Perkins took on future Buckhead coach Sam Weish. The Bucks gave up 56 points in that game, and Perkins famously gave his players two days off, claiming he didn't want to see them again. By then, most of the players didn't want to see him either. And then we came to 1995, when Weish was in his full 5-2 mode 
and the Bucks beat the Bengals thanks to a Michael Houston field goal inside the final 40 seconds. And he is kicking into the wind. It's good. Unbelievable. Three years later, in the season finale of the 1998 season in Cincinnati, the Bucks had to win to keep their playoff chances alive, and they did so with a 35-0 shutout victory against the Bengals team that had one foot already on their planes home. Now, this game did feature three touchdowns by Mike Allstock, one of which we came with five minutes left and cost me a fantasy league title. And I'm not still bitter about it, honestly. Third and a long yard for the Bucks for first down here. Play action. Deep. A lot of time for Delford, and he's got a man open. Robbie Thomas. Thomas, touchdown. Rob Thomas. In 2002, the Bucks once again scored 35 unanswered points on the Bengals. This time, it was Shelton Quarles with a highlight real play. Go with three wide receivers out of the shotgun. Billy Smith under pressure. Gave it away to Shelton Quarles, and he's headed for the end zone. The 2006 game saw the 0-4 Buccaneers get their first win of the season in really dramatic circumstances. It looked like Michael Clayton had first scored the winning touchdown, then fumbled it in the end zone. But fortunately, Johnny Greer and the replay team came to the Buccaneers' salvation. It's caught through. Oh, he dropped it to Clayton get across. There's the no signal, incomplete pass. Michael Clayton had it and dropped it. It is incomplete. After reviewing the play, the receiver had control, two feet down, and extended in for the score. And the 2010 Buccaneers had some pretty dramatic victories as well, none more so than the win over the Bengals on the road. Josh Freeman found Mike Williams for the tying touchdown inside the final two minutes, and then after an interception by Sabby Piscatelli. The Bucks had another late drive and Connor Bath won it with one second remaining. To the end zone to Williams. Jump ball. And that is a touchdown. Williams able to take it away in traffic. And now a point after away from making it a 21-all game. The last two games have seen victories for the Bengals, including a game in 2018 when Ryan Fitzpatrick replaced James Winston after he'd thrown four interceptions. The Bucks mounted a furious fourth-quarter comeback, racked up nearly 600 yards of offence, but lost on a last-second field goal. Now, the answer to our trivia question, the other three teams the Bucks have a winning record against? Atlanta, Buffalo and Miami. How many of those did you get right? And you can look back at all of those games, as well as all of the previous matchups with the Bengals, at the best Buccaneer website in the world, BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week, presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome back. No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm Jason along with Peter Blake. We are part of the BuckPower.com Podcast Network. We just reviewed the, 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 the thumping the Bucks took in San Francisco. Now it's on to, like, 
the famous, one of the most famous lines in New England history, on to Cincinnati. Right. And, and, and the funny thing is, there's a lot of irony in this game. If you go back to the famous, you know, Patriot loss in Kansas City, it was a Monday night. You know, they got blown out in Kansas City. There's a lot of questions about Tom Brady. Would they go to Jimmy Garoppolo? Our, our former Buccaneer, Trent Dilfer, made the, the infamous analysis. Should they go to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? And then Belichick in, in, in the postgame said, we're on to Cincinnati. And if you remember, Buck fans, the next week in Foxborough, the Bengals came to town for a primetime game, and the Patriots smacked the Bengals and got them back on a run. Can the Buccaneers kind of follow this script this week in Tampa, primetime CBS 425 game? Give me your just your general thoughts. Again, a couple things about the Bengals. The Bengals are hot coming in, but they are injured. We're going to talk about the injuries here in just a second. Just your general thought about the Cincinnati Bengals. One of the hottest teams in the National Football League playing with uh, possibly the best young quarterback besides a Patrick Mahomes and a Justin Herbert and a Tua and, of course, a Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of young quarterbacks this year, but Joe Burrow showed last year he could take the Bengals all the way to the Super Bowl. And, look, they're only two minutes away from a, a bad penalty, in my opinion, to winning the Super Bowl. So it's definitely a challenge. You got Jamar Chase. The reason why you draft him in the first place is because you get Burrow that weapon defensively. Uh, they're they're, they're okay. They're not great. Okay. They're, not they're great. fundamental. They're fundamental. Exactly. So that could be the buck matchup where this offense starts to turn it around. I hope they can. But again, we've been sitting here and saying this week after week. I know. When is this offense going to come alive? I mean, hell, I'll take 20 to 24 points, Jason Powers. Can we get 24 points? No, I mean you're right. It's it's it, this is a defense that's that statistically is not great, but they make plays. They're opportunistic. You know, and one thing they're known for, they're a tra- he, the defensive coordinator Lou Amarulo, I believe is his pronunciation of his name. He's great with second half adjustments. That's one thing they are very well known for. The Bengals do a great job in the second half making an adjustments. They beat Kansas City a couple weeks ago. They win last week against Cleveland, who they hadn't beaten in a while. So they're really they're not great on defense. They don't have any imp, superior players, and their best pass rusher, Trey Hendrickson, broke his wrist. We don't know what his status is. There's a good chance he doesn't play in this game, so that will help the Buccaneers' cause. You have the return of Alex Kappa on offense with the offensive lineman co- coming back to town. Um, so I think there's opportunity, and the Bengals are beat up. They lost T. They lost T. Higgins last week to a hamstring. They lost Tyler Boyd. So they're, they're, they're depleted on the offense at the receiver position. Still have Mixon, who's just coming back from a concussion. And obviously you have Jamar Chase. So to me, this is a game. You take Jamar Chase out of the game, and you make Joe Burrow throw to the, to the second and third receiver. Hunter Hurst is not in this. I mean, not Hunter. In, uh, what's the guy's? Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Not the not tight end is probably not going to play. So he's. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of Triple H. You're right. <laughs> That's your wheelhouse. That is my wheelhouse. That's your wheelhouse, too, tag team partner of the world. <laughs> Hunter Hurst Helmsley, his first name, by the way. Again, the Bengals have not been prolific on offense, even with Higgins. They're, they've not been. So, to me, this is a game you do not let Jamar Chase ruin the game. 
whether you I think I think you roll all the coverage to him and make Burrow go somewhere else in the ball. I know he's capable, but you make the Irwins of the world, you make the Ericsons of the world, you make them throw it to the tight end, the backup tight end. You can't let Jamar Chase kill you this week if you're the Buccaneer defense. Because this offensive line, uh, they, you know, they proved in the offseason, but it necessarily hasn't helped. They've done better lately, and that's the reason why Joe Burrow's been able to put up the numbers. But Maybe this is the week where even without a Vita Vea, you can get after Joe Burrow because that's what you're going to have to do. Because if you give this guy in the pocket to throw the ball, yep. he's going to pick you apart, period. So this would be the week where you would get that consistent pass uh, pressure on him. Hopefully, I don't know if Vita Vea is going to play. So uh, there's lots of challenges in this game. It's a home game at the end of the day. You've got to show out. You've got to have a better showing than you had in San Francisco. I think anybody could have a better showing in San Francisco. But, you know, my handicapping friend, uh, Harry the Greek, believes this could be an upset where the Bucks could win this game. This week. So we'll here, here's why. Historically, if you look in the NFL, when a good team gets blown out the week before, you tend to, you tend to get a tremendous effort the next week, especially a home game. And now it's a truly a must-win game for the Buccaneers. Other games in the year when they've lost hasn't been a must-win game. This is, to me, the Buccaneers-Armageddon game. They win this game, one, you're probably going to win the division. If you win this game, you're going to win the NFC South. And to me, it's an Armageddon game for the Buccaneers. You have some depleted guys on the Bengals' offense, so you have some opportunity. You don't have you, you got a good defense, but you don't have a great defense in Cincinnati. Hendrickson, their best sack guys, probably not going to play. To me, this is Armageddon for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You made me feel better about it. So, I, I, and the Bucks are getting three and a half points at home. So, I'm really with the Greek as far as the point spread goes. Because worst case scenario, if they lose the game, I think it's going right down to the wire. Well, I heard the Bengals are favored by three. But yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. Right, the Bucks are three and a half, three and a half point underdogs. Right, right. And if that ain't going to piss Tom Brady off too, on top of. All the other stuff, as bad as they played last week as a unit. And I like that Todd Bowles left Brady in the game last week. I like that he didn't take him out of the game. I do too. I think you're going to, this to me, if again, though I know the Bucs have lost games in the past, but to me, this is their Armageddon game. If they don't win this game, then I think there's severe doubt that they can win this division. But if they win this game, they're winning the NFC South. And again, they're going to, sh- they, we, Again, I know we've talked about it every single week. We still got elite weapons on offense. Yeah. Have to, have to use them in a different way than we've used them in the past. I get it. But we still have elite talent on offense. I think the Buccaneers can put it together for a week. Like you said, I think they can get to 24 points on this Bengal defense. But you don't want Joe Burrow with the ball in the last two minutes down less than a touchdown. Yeah, and I agree with you. What did you think about the report this week from Michael Silver uh, that before – the night before games, Tom Brady is changing things up, and even the coaching staff is not privy to that information. What did you think of that report? Well, Todd Bowl, Todd Bowl, Todd Bowles commented on that. He said these kind of meetings happen a lot. Again, whether the coaches, who knows what Brady's altering is, is, as far is that as a problem for you. Maybe that's the reason why you don't have identity on offense, or am I looking too much into it? Because I mean, we've said it's Tom Brady's offense, haven't we? We have. So don't you want him to, if they're going to be making different checks and different things, he's talking to the receivers. Not like he's just talking to the, you know, to the, to nobody. He's talking to the guys that he's allegedly throwing to. So you would hope whatever the adjustments are, 
that at least everybody can get on the same page. That's all. What is he, he and Godwin are on the same page most of the time. What is he saying to Mike Kevins? That's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering. At but I'll say this: same thing to Chris Godwin. Is he saying to Evans? But I'll say this: he, they were on the same page for a 68-yard touchdown that yeah. was called back by Donovan. I want to see the Buccaneer offensive line, Donovan in particular, because you're not going to have Tristan Wirfs. Bowles has made it pretty apparent Tristan's not going to be ready. Donovan, you come on, man. We you, we we want you to be good. We're, we yeah. don't want to kill you here. Right, and the other offensive linemen have to do their job, and that's going to be a challenge this week. Josh Wells is still starting. Nick Leverett, of course, Hansy there. Mason, you know, I haven't really heard about him, which is a good thing for offensive linemen. So that unit, once again, has to give them the time. So I just I go back and forth on it, and I, I tend to be an eternal optimist at the end of the day, but I look at Cincinnati, but it goes back to what my friend said, no freaking logic. So why not? Let's go with the Bucks. 27-23 over the Cincinnati Bengals. In fact, they probably play the majority of this game horrible. And then Tom Brady once again leads this team back. And the question I'm going to ask Byron Leftwich in the, in the coaching staff, we've got to install some more hurry-up offense. It doesn't have to be the whole game, but you got to come out doing 40% of the time. Every, two out of every five drives, three out of every five drives. Let's go, man. Let's hurry it up. Speed it up. It makes the reads easier. Makes the play calling probably a little easier for Tom. Tom has a little more control of the play calling maybe. We all say that's what we want. Let's – come on, Todd Bowles. Do it. Let's do something different. Let's have a winning team here. Let's get back on track. I will, be, I will be interested to see what the crowd reaction is with the Buccaneers in pregame warm-ups that first couple drives of the game, I'll be interested to see what the crowd is. Will it be sold out? Do you think it'll be, do you think some Buck fans have gotten off the bandwagon? What are your thoughts there? I definitely think it's possible for them to sell their tickets to Bengal fans. It's certainly possible. It's happened before. It'll happen again, but you hope that the Bucks have the support, even though the majority of the year, once again, they necessarily haven't deserved it because they've been so up and down. And some of these games that they've lost, I mean, come on, Carolina, you lose to Carolina, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Cleveland. I, I, these are not, you know, juggernaut teams. I get it. Yeah, Carolina's in it, but you should win that game with a backup quarterback who's playing in the friggin' XFL, uh, an interim coach. You know, Cleveland, fat ass Joby, Jacoby Brissett. You have him <laughs> running all over you. I mean, it's just, just, it absolutely bothers me still that you have those losses and you hope that you can do what you need to do here in the last half of the schedule. Because if not, guess what, Jason Powers? You're going to be looking back at those games saying, you know what? Uh, you made your bed, and now you have to sleep in it because you didn't win those gimmies that you should have. But again, at the end of the day, there is no gimmies in the National Football game, uh, National Football League. Not again, let's – let's uh, for, again, schematically, let's, let's put the pressure on the Bengals. Let's get the lead. Again, we've, we've struggled to get the lead early in these games. Again, I think this Bengal secondary especially is susceptible, especially if no Hendrickson's playing. He used to be in the Saints. He was a buck killer with the Saints. Mm. You do have Sam Hubbard, who's a good defensive end. But, again, no elite players on defense for the Bengals. You have some opportunities. Let's just do what we do, and let's play. Again, the costly penalties have, have been big. Again, last week I, was, I liked that the guy, there were guys open. Previous weeks, there weren't guys getting open. There were guys open against the 49ers. Sure. 
They were, and the biggest concern going into this game is Joe Mixon because he's coming off of injury. If you start to get that running game going, then I feel like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can go downtown, and that's what you worry about, especially with the communication breakdowns of that back end and, once again, all the injuries they've suffered here the last couple weeks. I'm going 28-17, convincing win against the Bengals. Wow. I think I think Tom Brady throws three to four touchdown passes. Again, let's get the tight end back in the mix. Otten, let's get, you know, let's, again, he's been a weapon for you. I have not seen him much in the mix the last couple of weeks. I don't know, you know, I know we, we love Cam Bray, but Otten is a better player at this point than Cam Bray. Let's spread it out. Again, the running game's not been terrible as far as per yard average. Let's commit a little more to it. The You know, Cleveland moved the ball against Cincinnati last week just couldn't score much in the red zone so there's opportunities out there and I think with the Bengals health issues I think that's going to be a major factor in this game I like it my friend I like it there you have it 28-17 for me Peter's got 27-23 425 Sunday Raymond James Stadium I'll be up in Birmingham Alabama watching this game I'm going up to I'm going up to Birmingham to visit some friends of mine so i'll be sitting in a sports bar in birmingham while you're down here watching here from from the tampa bay area so and by the way i'm going to tell you a good fantasy story okay my fantasy fate last week was determined the last two weeks all i had to do was win one of the last two games in my fantasy season okay two weeks ago if Chris Godwin's touchdown by Donovan Smith holding doesn't get called back with 12 seconds left in the game, I'm in the playoffs. I lose a heartbreaker by four points. Godwin's tu- Godwin's touchdown gives me six and I'm in. So I don't make I don't I don't I lose two weeks ago. Last week, same scenario, win and I'm in. If Godwin catches the touchdown that gets to fl- that he goes through his hands, that ends up in Russell Gage's hands. I win and I go to the playoffs to 0 for 2 with Chris Godwin. I I lose by four points. Godwin's touchdown gives me six. I'm now eliminated from my one of my pl- fantasy leagues because of Chris Godwin plays two weeks in a row. How, how effing uh, unbelievable is that? That stinks, and that's fantasy football for you because, uh, you know, one minute you're up by six points and the next you're down by two. And I was kind of feeling the heat there on Monday night. I had DeAndre Hopkins, and, of course, Kyler Murray goes out the third play of the game. He gave me something, didn't give me as much, but I barely survived uh, my game by six points consequently, and I'm going on to my championship game. So no, Chris Godwin has been the has been the kiss of death yes. for my one fantasy team tw- two weeks in a row. Should heartbreaking fluke plays. I got him running again. I mean, he's running against the Bengals. You don't have the chemistry with Mike Evans. Yeah, you run him again. I think you got to keep on running him. Well, I'm out. I'm out of the playoffs. Well, you're out, but I'm not. our regular season's over. I'm so out. Would you, so would you run Chris Godwin if you're me? Because I'm on my fantasy. Yes, I'm playing Chris Godwin. Yes, okay, for sure. All right, then I'm going to play him. No, right. you have to play him. I'll play yeah, Christian he, Watson too on Monday night. Another ta- a Tampa product, Tampa Plant yes, High School. Tampa Tornado. That's right. All right, Peter Blake. Tell yeah. everybody where they can find John Line, all the great work you're doing. Absolutely. Monday and Wednesday nights, it's the evolution of sports talk television. It's the sports web live on I Love St. Pete, the hub, and Amped Up Sports on Facebook. And, of course, like and subscribe to the sports web on YouTube. Do three things for me. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake. 
giving you something to think about. Great job. I remember, check out the Powers on Sports podcast. We did a great tribute with Coach Jim Levitt, who's a very close friend of Mike Leach. We did a great interview with Coach uh, about Mike Leach passing away. Um, Powers on Sports podcast. Obviously, this podcast, Florida Football Insiders podcast. We're going to have a the week after between Christmas and New Year's. We will have a national championship playoff preview as well. So go to those podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Also on the YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel, you can find this interview. You can find all of our interviews from all previous podcasts we've done. And again, if you haven't already done it, hit subscribe here on the No Quarter Given Podcast, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. Uh, Thanks to Paul Stewart, again, for allowing us to do what we do. Thanks, Paul. And thanks, Paul, for the montage on the Bengals. And Buccaneer fans, we'll see us 425 Raymond James Stadium the week before Christmas. You got your Christmas shopping done, Peter Blake? Absolutely not. Jeez. <laughs> Are you going to be that guy in the mall on, on Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. <laughs> Don't leave Miss Sandra hanging now. I will not. But I got to pay bills. I got to pay rent. And I got this computer that i actually have to pay off so it's gonna make it even more difficult so hopefully not only am i winning my fantasy league this week but also some betting odds we had you you you, we had to delay the podcast you put up a christmas tree apparently you got a christmas tree getting put up at the house i got a little christmas tree at my house happy holidays peter blake buck fans we will be here next week for give you a a, the last episode before christmas but buck fans we'll see you next week Six and seven. We need to get to seven and seven. I'm calling it outright winner. Take the Bucks in the three and a half. And Buck fans, we'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com podcast network.